in your Bibles to the book of Judges. Book of Judges. And we're going to be in chapter 15 and 16 tonight. And we'll continue our study of the man called Samson. Uh, we started this last time. And Lord willing, we'll finish it up tonight. Last week we saw Samson the strong. This week we're going to see Samson the slave. Let's pray. Father, bless the study that we have tonight. As we talk about Samson, I just pray that you'd help us to see truth. And Lord, truth would make a difference in us. We know there are many things we're to learn from these examples. Some of them we, we see positive things. Some of them we see negative things. I just pray that you'd help us to have open and receptive eyes and hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. To summarize what we're going to talk about tonight, we see Samson is enslaved by the Philistines, and at the end, he's going to destroy many of them in his death. And the thing about Samson, and we mentioned it last week, is the fact that his uncontrolled passion was his downfall. Uncontrolled passion destroys the effectiveness of the believer's service for God. We must keep ourselves under control. Uh, we must be temperate in everything. So, the first thing we want to talk about tonight is Samson's victory. And we start in uh, chapter 15 here, and the first two verses tell us that it came to pass within a while after, in the time of wheat harvest, that Samson visited his wife with a kid, and he said, I will go into my wife into the chamber, but her father would not suffer him to go in. And her father said, I verily thought that thou hast utterly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. So after the chaos of this wedding was over, the and that disclosure of his riddle, remember the riddle with the wedding? Samson's anger subsided now. He was really angry with his wife. And here we read how he's returning to her and he's bringing a present, apparently a young goat. Like today you might bring a box of candy or flowers. Well, he brought a young goat. Uh, maybe he felt he needed to give her a gift since he had left in an unceremonious fashion. But when he got there, the girl's father wouldn't let Samson see his wife and uh, actually, he tells him she had been given to one of those 30 companions at the wedding. Somebody said she was given to his best man. And supposedly, the girl's father thought Samson hated her and wouldn't come back. So he does make her an offer. And he says, look, you know, I gave her to somebody else. You can have my next daughter. And of course, Samson was not uh, kin to that. So we see, first of all, I'm going to put a handle on this thing. We see his return to his wife. And then the second thing we see is his retaliation for how he's been treated. Now, Samson has uncontrolled passions. He's not a man of self-control. So we see what happens next in, in, uh, in verses 3 through 5. 
And Samson said concerning them, Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them displeasure. And Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took firebrands and turned tails and put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burn up both the shocks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and olives. Well, he's, he's looking for vengeance. He's unhappy, and uh, he's going to retaliate. And, you know, he's rejected here, so he wants to get even. Vindictiveness is not a virtue, somebody said. But in this case, God used Samson's retaliation to bring deliverance to Israel by frustrating and destroying some of the Philistines. This is where the great tug of war between Samson and the Philistines really comes to a head. Because of the betrayal, Samson caught 300 foxes, tied them in pairs with a torch between their tails, and sent them into the grain field. Uh, sent them into the uh, grain grain fields, the vineyards, the olive trees, all of those, all of those things were destroyed. And understand, when he burned the fields, he was burning their food supply. They took this very seriously. So this is his way of getting even. Learning that Samson had burned the fields because his wife had been given to another, the Philistines now retaliate. And look at the next verse. <clears throat> And Samson said unto them, Though ye have done this, yet I will be avenged of you, and after that I will, I will cease. And he smote them hip and thigh. I'm sorry, verse 6. I, I was ahead in one verse. Then the Philistines said, Who hath done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. It's interesting to stop and think about this. The reason she told the riddle in the first place at the wedding was they threatened to burn her and her family. So she told, she told the riddle. She uh, did, did Samson wrong in that respect. Now here she is getting her, her and her family burned anyway because of what happened. Kind of interesting, I thought. And said, now, verse 7, And Samson said unto them, Though ye have done this, yet will I be avenged of you, and after that I will cease. And he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter, and he went down and dwelt in the top of the Mount Etam. So here he is. He's now set the fields on fire. He's slain a bunch of these Philistines, and his revenge for the death of his wife, now because of what they did, now he got even with them. He killed a bunch of them because they killed his wife. So it's really, this like a soap opera, isn't it? Well, then we see the revenge there. And then we see his refuge. And that's when he goes in verse 9 to a place called Lehi. Then the Philistines went up and pinched to Judah and spread themselves in Lehi. So listen, the Philistines are oppressing the Israelites. They're, they're under the control of the Philistines. And so now they come up and they camp at this place called Lehi. And the men of Judah said, why are you come up against us? And they answered, to bind Samson are we come up, to do him as he hath done to us. 
So they, they said, why are you here? They said, we want Samson. Then 3,000 men of Judah went to the top of the rock Etam and said to Samson, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? What is this that thou hast done unto us? And he said unto them, As they did unto me, so have I done to them. I got even with them. Hmm. And they said unto him, We are come down to bind thee that we may deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines. So they said, Well, listen, big boy, we came down, we're going to tie you up and give you to them. And Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that you will not fall upon me yourselves. Samson says, Okay, just swear to me that you're not going to kill me yourself. And they spake unto him, saying, No, but we will bind thee fast and deliver thee into their hand, but surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords and brought him up from the rock. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arm became as flax that was burnt with fire, and the brands loosed from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass, and put forth his hand, and took it, and slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson said, with the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the, jawbone, with the jaw of an ass, have I slain a thousand men. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking, that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand, and called that place Ramath-Lehi. And he was sore athirst, and called on the Lord, and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. Now shall I die for thirst, and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? But God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore, he called the name thereof En-Hakkor, which is in Lehi unto this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. So first of all, the Philistines are seeking him. They're wanting him. He had already killed 30 of them at one time. And on this occasion, the next occasion, because of his wife, he killed a goodly number again. So now the Israelites deliver him. And they give him over to him. They tie him up in cords, and they hand him over to the Philistines. But the Spirit empowered him. The Philistines now are excited, and they're celebrating. The Bible says they shouted uh, their might because they had their, their, their mighty torment, or Samson is now bound. But it didn't last long. For the third time, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson. And he burst the bands that held him, taking a fresh jawbone of an ass. He killed a thousand Philistines. The terror that struck the hearts of the Philistines who escaped and told of the incident can only be imagined. So now they're, they're going to kill him, but he turns around and kills them. Well, after all that carnage, he got thirsty. And the Bible says the Lord refreshed him. When the slaughter was over, Samson was very thirsty. This was a hot season of wheat harvest. He prayed, acknowledging that God had given him victory and that he was in a weakened condition, which made him susceptible to death at the hands of the Philistines. Something interesting there. That's the first time we find Samson praying. So now he's very thirsty, and he prays. His death at this time would have spoiled the effect of what he had done. 
God graciously and miraculously provided water to revive him. The Bible says, but God clave in hollow place that was in Lehi, and there came water there out. Uh, this is somewhat of a mystery about this, this place that God, uh, how God brought the water. Some people believe it actually came out of the jawbone, and I, I, I lean, to, lean towards that. Others say, well, that's just symbolic of the place that he was, um, and that there was a hollow place, and God brought water there. Either way, God brought him water and revived him. So, the meaning of the net, well, you don't need to know that. <clears throat> so now we go. Uh, it's significant the account closes with the notation that Samson judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. The clear implication of this is the Philistines were unable to retaliate against Israel during those 20 years. So uh, I believe at the end of this, there was like 20 years of, of, I guess we could call it peace, where there was no battling going on, no fighting going on, and he judged Israel. Uh, God used him to judge Israel for that time period. But then things start up again. And you know, way over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, we have God's Hall of Fame. And you know Samson's in there. As much as we see him as a failure, he made it into the, the Hall of Fame. This leads in turn to the recognition that the episodes when Samson's passionate nature was hotly displayed were really limited to a comparatively short span of his life. In other words, this didn't take his whole life. For 20 years, we think he did right. But when his passions overtook, now he did wrong. How sad it is that 20 years of doing good should be virtually overlooked, hmm. certainly by the average reader of the account, and only his sinful encounters remembered. We're reminded that one's testimony can be ruined very quickly. You know, another illustration is David. You know, most people, as soon as you say David, the first thing they think of is Bathsheba. All the great things David did, all the wonderful things David did, the man of God that David really was, but that's not what he's remembered for. You can ruin your testimony in a heartbeat. Better be careful. Well, then we come to the next chapter, and we see Samson's vices. The next episode of Samson's life to be recorded in detail is described in the first few verses of uh, chapter 16. Let's look there. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there an harlot and went in unto her. And it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson has come hither. And they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all the night, saying, In the morning when it is day, we shall kill him. And Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of a hill that is before Hebron. So Samson's added again. Samson went to Gaza. Anybody recognize that name? When I put the maps up here, it was one of the chief cities of the Philistines, which brings to mind a question. What in the world is he doing in Gaza? 
He has no business being there. Can I just add, there are places we shouldn't be. We have no business being there. And when we go there, it gets us in trouble. He should have never went, but here he is. Gaza was about 30 miles from his home. We don't know why he went. Some people think he really didn't go for, to visit a harlot, but I tend to think he did. They say, well, he could have found one much closer to home. I don't know. He had this thing for Philistine women. And I think that was his passion. I think that's why he went to Gaza. Listen, when you start letting your flesh lead you, you're in big trouble. Well, anyway, while he's down there in Gaza, he sees a harlot, and he indulged in lust and immorality. Somebody said he went out of town to indulge his flesh. <laughs> Here is God's man, a Nazarite, a judge of Israel, in the sinful bed of a harlot. This goes to show how anybody's capable. Well, because they knew Samson was in town now, the men of the city decided they were going to kill him in the morning. But Samson now, we don't know if he got wind of it or if the Lord alarmed him or just what happened, but he arose at midnight, the Bible says. It was expected he would spend the whole night with a harlot. Somebody said maybe he had a guilty conscience and felt like he should leave. I don't know why he left. I just know that at the midnight hour, he got up and he left. And when he came to the entrance of the city, he tore the gate with its two posts and carried it toward Hebron. The Philistines had seen him rip out the gate and carry it away. Uh, they would have been too terrified to try to stop him. Yeah, I guess they would. When morning came and it became known to all, no one wanted to go after him. Well, he must have really left an impression on them. So we see, first of all, the harlot of Gaza. The harlot of Gaza. And then we see the seductress in Sorek. Hey, now he goes from bad to worse. Beginning with verse 4. And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Oh, we know that name. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And we will give thee, every one of us, 1,100 pieces of silver. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. Samson said unto her, If they bind thee with seven green withs that were never dried, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green withs which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber. She said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he brake the withs as a thread of tow is broken when it toucheth the fire. So his strength was not known. And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, 
but they bind me fast with new ropes that never were occupied. Then shall I be weak and be as another man. Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there were liars in wait abiding in the chamber, and he brake them from off his arms like a thread. And Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web, and she fastened it with the pin, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he waked out of his sleep and went away with the pin of the beam and with the web. She said unto him, How canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. It came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that she, he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man. And she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep, and he said, I will go out as at other times before, and shake myself. And he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. Hmm. We're coming to a sad ending of the story. He went down there, and he found a woman, another woman, and his lust made him go after her. And we see that there was a plot set up that if she would find out where his strength was, they would pay her 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, I don't know if that's total or if that's each. Uh, you can take it either way. But it was a lot of money. Surely the Philistines feared Samson. They were willing to pay whatever it cost to get rid of him. Many a person has become wrongly involved in a love affair and has been sold out by the one love. Note the many similarities between this story and the way the 30 companions learned the answer to Samuel's riddle. Do you remember that? This is the second time a woman has been his downfall. Hmm. Sin short circuits the learning process. I like that statement. Sin short circuits the learning process. Samson should have been on guard. He's been there before. I put a little note down here. He's a slow learner. How many times does he have to go through this? But he went right into it. So we see the payment is mentioned there, then the pleading. Four times Delilah pleads with Samson to reveal the source of his strength. The first three times he lied. And each time when he told her to bind him with certain things, she bound him, and, and the fourth time she did his hair. Yet, each time this happened, 
he returned and let her do it toward with the sin that he was involved in. He thought he could get away with it because of his great strength. He forgot that his strength came from God. His immorality dulled his perspective. Let me say that another way. His lust caused him not to be able to think straight. And that's what lust does. He should have been, he should have seen through Delilah's designs. Still, he came back for more, and he finally gave in to her pleading. You know, she wore him down. Daily pressure of temptation and sin will destroy the strongest saint when a mighty assault would fail. Hmm. Wearing him down. You know the devil uses that on us? You know, it's not like he comes to us one time. He just keeps coming over and over and over. And that's where we, we need to be careful. We don't let entertain him. See, Samson would have been a lot better off if he quit entertaining Delilah and left. But he kept coming back. Playing right into the hands. How often do we play into the devil's hands? Hmm. Do we have to say about you, you're a slow learner? I hope not. So then he's, he's dealing with Delilah, and after the fourth time, she really puts the pressure on. She said, hey, boy, big boy, if you really love me, mm -hmm, if you really love me, it was obvious the woman who said it did not return the love, yet Samson apparently did not realize what she was up to. So now he tells her the truth about his Nazarite vow. She recognized he's telling the truth, and she sent word to the Philistine Lord, hey, guys, bring your money. I got him. When Samson's hair was cut, he became like any other man. Awakened from his sleep, he said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. He thought that his sin would not catch up to him, but it did. And here's what the Bible says. He wished not that the Lord was departed from him. He was so wrapped up and taken by his lust, he didn't even realize he had lost his power. What a pitiful commentary on Samson's thinking. Somebody said this, one cannot play with sin and keep God's blessing. Hmm. Well, let me see the principles here. First, it's important that we choose good companions. Wrong, excuse me, wrong companions will lead us into temptations. Over in Corinthians, it says, evil communications corrupt good manners. That means if you hang around with the wrong people, they're going to corrupt you. Samson had that problem. So the first thing, it's important that we choose the right kind of companion. Second, compromise places us in a position 
where we can be tempted. When we compromise, we put ourselves in a place where now we can be tempted. We've taken that first step and opened ourselves up to temptation. Had Samson not cultivated the relationship with Delilah, he would not have revealed his secret to her. Third, Satan always packages temptation attractively. Hmm. Say it another way. Satan always makes sin look good. Yeah, he never shows you the end result. He never shows you the price that you'll pay. All he shows you is the pleasure you enjoy. And sin is pleasurable. Hey, if sin wasn't pleasurable, we wouldn't be tempted. Sin is very pleasurable for a season. And then payday comes. But the devil don't show you payday. All he shows you is the good time you're going to have. Hmm. Fourth, if you play with fire, it's going to burn you. Well, that's true. We understand that. Stay away from the fire. You don't get burnt. Samson toyed with sin, and he reaped the result. Probably he thought he could get away with it. Fifth, confidence in self rather than in God will lead us to sins of passion. Listen, be careful of your prideful stand, lest you fall. Pride goeth before destruction, haughty spirit before fall. Don't think that you're, you're above anything. Don't think that you would never do that. Understand you're capable of anything. Samson assumed he still had his power like he had before, but found that when he violated his Nazarene's, Nazarene vow, God's power left him. A believer cannot indulge in sin and enjoy the power of God in his life. Listen, if you're involved in sin, you've lost the power of God. And it wasn't his fault. And then there's one final thing. Samson's revenge for the death of his wife, his refuge at Lehi. I'm getting you caught up. Samson's vices, the harlot, the seductress. Are you caught up? Deanne is not caught up yet. Last point, his vindication. What a sad vindication it is. Look at the last two verses. I'm sorry, the last few verses. Beginning with um, verse 23. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon, their God, and to rejoice, for they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. So now these Philistines are celebrating. They finally have Samson, and he's lost his power. And they're seeing it as a victory their God, Dagon, gave them. So they're celebrating. 
And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemies, and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass, when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me, that I may feel the pillars upon whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, the one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. He bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the Lord and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtahol in the burying place of Manoah's father. And he judged Israel 20 years. Well, number one, there's a debasement of Samson. After being captured in verses 21 and 22, the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house, howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. They captured him. They put his eyes out. It's an interesting thought. They put his eyes out. Those are the very organs that cause his sin of lust. Isn't that interesting? His eyes were gouged out, and he was placed in an abominable prison, and he was forced to grind out grain. Now, we don't know exactly how he was forced, but I see him as, you know, those big grinding wheels they had, and they had a long pole on it, and they would hook an ox or an ass or something to it. And by the way, ladies, a lot of times the women had to do it, had to push that thing to make the, the grinding wheel turn. Well, I think that's what they did to him. I think they tied him to that pole. He couldn't see where he was going, but he didn't have to see. All he had to do was follow the pole for hours and hours and hours, grinding like an animal. Sightless. Hmm, this is the great man, Samson. Then the derision of Samson. In verses 23 through 25, we've read them. Sometime later, the Philistines gathered on to their god Dagon, to whom they attributed the defeat of Samson. Three thousand people attended this celebration, and apparently they were in some kind of an amphitheater or something that was built up on pillars. Then we see the death of Samson. Even in death, Samson exhibited a combination of glory 
and degradation. God gave Samson the strength to push the supporting pillars of the temple, causing the temple to crumble and killing the people that were there. That's why it said that he killed more people in his death than he killed in his life. What a sad commentary. Well, that's our study on Samson. Questions or comments about Samson? Everything's clear. No, he had violated his Nazarene, Nazarite vow when he shaved his head. And so he lost that power. That's why he had to pray that God would give him that power one more time. Because that, he lost it there. And it wasn't the hair necessarily, it was the vow that he had taken. And the hair was symbolic of that. Good question. Somebody else? Question or comment about Samson? All right. You don't want Samson as your hero. Hmm? Set a very bad example. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for what we've learned. Thank you for recording for us the life of Samson that we can learn from it. Lord, help us to be very careful. We know that his problem was his passions, his lust. Help us to keep our passions under control. Lord, do we not fall into sin like he did? Do we not disappoint you? Do we not have to pay that, that ultimate price that sin always carries? Help us in that. Now bless us as we go. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.